beautiful souls. Welcome to this podcast hosted by, yeah, my name is Mia. We will be sharing and discussing the many wonderful and magical life experiences and personal transformation that happens when you hit the big 4-0. Hopefully, you will get excited, not to mention inspired, to embrace this next big chapter in your life. Please remember to take what resonates with you, as I know that everyone's personal life journey will be different and unique to them. Okay, are you ready? Now, let's get started. Hello, good morning, all you happy, shiny people. <laughs> Welcome back and oh my god, I can't believe this. We finally arrived at our 10th episode. And um, this will be the last episode for this series. So yeah, don't cry, don't worry. I'll be back. There will be um, the second series of this podcast. My name is Mia. Now, since this episode 10 is going to be the, um, the last in the series, I have a very special surprise for you. Um, as you can see from the title of this episode, um, I'm going to have a special segment, maybe every five episodes we'll be inviting this very very special guest to co-host um, my podcast and who is this very special guest <laughs> yeah um, she is a very very lovely young lady um, who will turn 18 this year and who will be leaving her mom to go and um, explore a whole new world out there um, since she'll be gradu graduating high school and leaving for her higher degree um, going to uh, university overseas and um, this very special person is <laughs> I, should, I should tell her to put special music here introductory music or something um, yeah, it's my daughter, my firstborn, my number one daughter. Um, her name is Mikaela, but um, we call her Mickey for short. So that's why um, this episode is titled Mickey's Corner because um, she will be sharing some of the stuff that she uh, is really passionately into. It's like a um, mini mom and daughter rant corner <laughs> where we get to um, discuss and vent and talk about certain stuff. Now, um, it could be anything, but since um, Mikaela or Miki is a very, very avid reader, she loves reading. So we will be discussing some book reviews and also we, we are both movie geeks 
so um, we'll be having movie reviews too and not just movies but maybe TV series and and we're also um, passionate about music so we might be doing some reviews on that too but just generally anything that um, catches our eye and uh, makes for a good topic for a very lively mother and daughter discussion <laughs> anyway for this first um, uh, segment of Mickey's Corner we'll be doing a um, book review right so uh, I have not read this book so it is intentional um, every time she's going to do a book review it'll be solely her review so I'll be asking questions as if I am you, uh, assuming that you you also have not read the book. So, you know, we'll be having a discussion on that. And um, yeah, that's it. It's, I'm really excited to do this um, because we do tend to have very lively discussions about stuff. Not just <laughs> books and movies and music, but you know, just general uh, life love and you know um, uh, stuff about I don't know celebs and just you know anything that moms and daughters talk about you know we talk about too and um, very openly if I might add which uh, might not be something that happens um, for every mom and daughter dynamic but um, with me as my daughters get older they start to shift from just purely being my child, my daughter, to slowly becoming my, or one of my best friends. <laughs> so anyway, without fur further ado, here she is, my beautiful daughter, here's Mickey. Hi much uh, to my mother I guess for having me on this podcast today yay yay indeed because <laughs> I get to talk about things that I usually annoy her with uh-huh uh-huh for so free now you can annoy everybody else with it not exactly. just me exactly mm. okay so um tell me a little bit about this book I mean just in general what it's all about and um if possible no spoilers can you do yeah. that yeah I yeah can. okay okay so this book is a young adult um, science fiction history and it's set in 1920s Shanghai and it is marketed as a Romeo and Juliet retelling. So like the actual synopsis is that um, the heirs of two rival gangs, they have to work together because suddenly a monster is emerging from like the depths of Shanghai hmm. and then you know, and they like start killing their gang members so hmm. they have to work together in order to solve that mystery but they have history with each other Okay, that sounds interesting I mean, um, as far as I know, there has been and Romeo and Juliet is like the literature thing to mm -hmm do a retelling about like yeah. I, I bet there are countless books and you know how they've been made into movies yeah. and so many movies and so on so um what drew you to this particular retelling mm -hmm. well for me i think well firstly it's asian you know it's written by a chinese woman and what's more interesting to me is that i actually really love history and i realized that this book um some of the events woven in were based on the Chinese Civil War 
and I was really interested to see how that would play out because I going in I expected it to be mostly romance mm -hmm. but then I realized that it, there's a lot of political intrigue mm. and a lot of yeah just a lot of politics um, because the time period that this was set in um, was 1920s Shanghai mm -hmm. and during that time historically they were on the brink of civil war between the Nationalist Party and the Communist Party mm -hmm. and I was really interested to see like how that would play out because this is firstly a young adult So it's like teenagers, right? Okay, and to see like how what's the age gap? Uh, what's the age bracket for a young adult? Well young adult is usually well it depends this is marketed as 14 years up. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you know it basically starts for young adults to enjoy, mm -hmm. and I was just so your sister can read it. Yeah, too. she can read it too. Okay. Yeah, so I was just really interested to see how this would um, play out because to me it's different than a lot of the other young adult fantasies, or I guess young adult, yeah, young adult fantasies that I've read. Mm -hmm. Mainly because I think young adult for me can be kind of simple, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Which I don't blame it because it is supposed to be for young adults. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but like I'm 17, so mm -hmm. it would make sense for me to kind of venture into more adult or new adult genres. Okay. But I was like really surprised um, as to how intricate and how well developed and well thought out the plot was. Like mm -hmm. from a plot standpoint, I thought that like there were a lot of things going on, mm -hmm. especially in the second book because this is a duology. Oh, but there's two books. Yes, there's two books. Oh dear lord. I <laughs> and how many pages for each book? I think, well, the second book is around 500. Oh, dear Lord. I know, and the first is also like around 400. -ish. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, uh -huh. I know, but it, like that's what I'm saying, that's very well paced. It never felt like too much mm. for me. Like, yeah, there are a lot of things going on, but there are like moments in between where like you could breathe mm -hmm. and you know, you kind of get a glimpse into like the psyche of the characters because it is very plot driven. Mm -hmm. But like I think the characters are like the heart of the story. Hmm. So um, do they actually market it as a Romeo and Juliet retelling? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. Because um, as far as the general public knows, I mean, we 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 all know to some degree the 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 work of Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare, right? Mm -hmm. And it's mostly about romance and political in intrigue because yeah. um, it's the uh, feud between two different families, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, does that translate well in this retelling? Oh yes, I, yeah, it, well I haven't read the original play, but mm -hmm. I have, of course, watched, I've read glimpses of the play for mm -hmm. like school and whatnot, mm -hmm. and I have watched like movie adaptations, and there are a lot of easter eggs to the original play, mm -hmm. and there were also a lot of adjustments. Um, so one thing that I liked about the duology is that it actually it's been confirmed that there's going to be a spin-off for one of the side characters mm. Mm -hmm. so there's a there's a side character that's interesting enough to get his or her own spin-off yeah oh interesting yeah and what's interesting is that it's kind of been planned since Chloe Gong, the author, wrote mm -hmm. the first book because the character who's going to get a spin-off is based on another Shakespeare play. Mm, okay. Yeah, and I think that like her like the author Chloe Gong's specialty really is within like Shakespeare because everything like 
I knew going in that it would be a Romeo and Juliet retelling, mm -hmm. but there were like some moments where I forgot it was a retelling. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is that like Chloe Gong was able to make it her own thing, and like I genuinely forgot that this like like some guy wrote the plot of it like That's a couple good, of then. years ago. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So everything translated really well and smoothly, and that was also a concern of mine because I thought it would be a little bit complicated to kind mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. blend in a lot of romance with a lot of like especially very very political aspects because um, like the Chinese Civil War for example in the second book was very like it was very much um, described detailed very detailed and it blended in with the politics between the warring gangs mm -hmm. which I liked um, because it just made sense so what I'm saying is that like all these elements of what makes it a good book in my opinion just kind of it Blends. works. It works, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was great for me. So, um, did at any time, like when you were in the middle of reading the book, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know whether um, subconsciously or consciously you started comparing with the... Uh, maybe you read a certain passage or a certain um, paragraph, a sentence, and it suddenly brought you back to the original story. Yeah. Were I mean, there instances like that? Yeah, there were, but it was never kind of like... A negative thing. It was nice actually reading it and recognizing, like, there's this one uh, scene where, I mean, it, no, it's not really a spoiler, but there's this one scene where it mimicked um, kind of like the ballroom dancing mm -hmm. in the original play, and like I was reading it and I was like, wow, this is like this translated really, really well, and I kind of just started making like the comparisons of like what happened in that in the play mm -hmm. versus what's happening here. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, well, I think it's natural for people to kind of compare it with the original play since it is marketed as a retelling. But mm -hmm. I think people would be pleasantly surprised with how, I guess, original and also unique. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, like I said, I think it's mainly because of the characters. Because, you know, like, it's a Romeo and Juliet retelling mm -hmm. with like an Asian woman lead. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, um... So the characters themselves, they really stand out, right, mm -hmm. um, in this book. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the plots that um, that stands out the most, I guess, from the play was the uh, double suicide, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, they swallowed the poison, blah, 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 and then it turns out that uh, she didn't die, and then he already killed him. That was something like that, if, yeah, I, if I remember yeah. correctly. So, um, how was that treated in this version? Or, or is that going to be a big spoiler? No, it's not. It's not okay. a big spoiler. Um, it was actually treated very well. And it, again, blended very well with kind of like the politics of the... Um, with the book. Because at that point, um, this happened in the second book, um, Okay, I'll try my best to not spoil anything, <laughs> but beware for mild spoilers. Okay. So at this point, um, Juliet, she decides to fake her own death because at this point, her parents found out about her relationship with mm -hmm. Roma, mm -hmm. the Romeo counterpart. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't, and that's the thing that I like is that she didn't fake her death to be with him. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, she faked her death for herself mm -hmm. because um, she wanted out of Shanghai at that point mm -hmm. because like, like I said, they were at the cusp of Chinese Civil War mm -hmm. and she wanted to find a way to flee that situation because at that point she was at, you know, she was like, uh, her parents were very cross with her and mm -hmm. she basically had nothing tying her down 
um, and except for her relationship with Roma, but also her relationship with Roma's friends. Um, so I, like there was like kind of a found family element mm, to it. I see. Yeah, there was like, and she basically fought in order to get all of them out safely, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I like. So she faked her death for that. And um, yeah, and of course Roma found out, and it backfired as always mm-hmm. because the telephone lines were down, and mm-hmm. she couldn't tell him mm-hmm. her plan. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it stuff happens. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that that sounds interesting. It <laughs> Actually, it, does. it sounds intriguing mm-hmm. because um, from the original version, um, there's this um, sense of this fatalistic sense of you know giving up mm-hmm. and just. Dying for love, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the literal mm-hmm. quote, dying for love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that was a message that was kind of, I don't know, iffy, yeah. you know, yeah. because yeah. Um, uh, do we need to go to that extreme nowadays? I don't know about when the play was written, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, do we need to go to that that far, that extremes, in order? You know, for love. Yeah. And um, and since this is marketed for young adult, um, what are your views on that? On how it would impact them? Actually, funny thing, I got a signed copy and a personalized copy of the second book, mm. and the author, she wrote to Michaela, "Dare to love." Instead of dying to love. Okay. And I oh like, wow. Yeah, I know. Okay, we, we should take a picture of that and I'll post it on my Instagram. Oh my god, no. <laughs> yes. That is embarrassing. Yes. Yeah, so, I live to embarrass you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I think that's like a main theme is it's to be brave enough to love because. Well, as expected, their relationship doesn't go as smoothly. I think if I would try to put it in young adult terms, mm-hmm. they were kind of like childhood friends, mm-hmm. um, and then they became lovers mm-hmm. as a teenager. And then something happened, they became enemies, mm-hmm. then they became lovers again, mm-hmm. and then they became enemies again, mm-hmm. and then lovers. So it, it's like a lot of back and forth. So mm-hmm. like the point is that their relationship You know, it's not something that's very constant. It's a lot of betrayal and it's a lot of lying. Mm-hmm. But I think that betrayal it stemmed a lot from, you know, their own need to protect the other. Mm-hmm. Roma and Juliet's mm-hmm. need to protect each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think, well, I can't really go into depth without um, spoiling okay. the end of the book. <laughs> but the point is, is that Juliet. Um, She tried her best in order to keep an arm's length from Roma, mm-hmm. because she would know that the city would basically hunt them down if they got together. Okay. And there was like a specific passage in the second book where I think she said that, um, like the city, yeah, the city would cut cal- would cut them down from daring to love or mm-hmm. from loving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it actually had a reverse effect on me because, like I said, I really love Juliet as a heroine. Um, and also Roma, I love their relationship, but I think what makes them stand out is that they're able to kind of be their own people mm-hmm. outside of that relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. So whenever something would happen to them, it would just like I have I would have kind of like this instant connection with them, especially with you know Juliet, because of course the stakes for her mm-hmm. as a woman in 1920 Shanghai mm-hmm. they were higher, um, you know, and so when. You know, you just get attached to them. Yeah. So when yeah. anything, that's good. That's right? good because th- th- that's just the main point of a good book mm-hmm. is that one of the main points anyway. Aside from a good plot 
right. you know, and everything is that you have to get attached to the characters, mm-hmm. or not, you know, what's the point of reading it? That's right? true. So yeah, I think I think that's good because, again, that's one of my concern as a mother, mm-hmm. that how how um, the author conveys the main message of the story. Does it give hope, or is it just a story of? Despair and giving up. So I really loved it that she wrote "Dare to Love" mm-hmm. because it's you know something that's hopeful. That mm-hmm. you know you get a sense of hope from that. That mm-hmm. it's it's something to fight for. Mm-hmm. It's not something you don't give up in terms of you know you just quit and you just you know suffer for love and die for yep, love and yep. stuff like that, right? Yeah. So yeah, I love that. So um, you say you said that. You feel attached to the Juliet character. So, yes, what, what, what is her character? What is her strong personality traits that you really identify with? Well, okay. See, the thing I love about her is that I think I really love her. Go. So, what I really like about Juliet is I think I love how she loves other people. Um, she, her family is, you know, is very complicated. She has to deal with. Suddenly being usurped by Tyler, Sai, her cousin, who is mm. the equivalent of Tybalt, basically, oh. right? Yeah, and she also has other cousins. Um, their names are uh, Rosalind and Celia. And the thing about the Rosalind and Celia is that even though they're side characters, they're given enough like um, exploration. So their last names are Lang, mm. Rosalind Lang, mm-hmm. Celia Lang, instead of. Um, you know, Sai, the Sai mm. name, mm. and because of that, a lot of their struggles revolve around finding protection because they don't have that name. So, like the Lord Sai, mm. Juliet's dad, can't mm-hmm. technically protect them mm-hmm. the same way he protects Juliet mm-hmm. and Tyler. And that was, and that's always been kind of like a driving force for Juliet. Mm-hmm. Like she can be like very stubborn. You know, she's not. That's what I like. That she's not perfect. She's made. Um, mistakes and there were some actions of hers that you know I didn't entirely agree with but I think that's what made her really interesting to me is that like at the end of the day she just really wants the people she loves to be okay so she's not like this super perfect character oh, who no. does no wrong you know oh no she kills a lot of people okay. Okay. <laughs> she kills a lot of people um yeah she's actually way more headstrong and a little more brave than Romeo Roma yeah, because I, you know, I prefer those kind of characters. Yeah, yeah you, the multifaceted characters. Yeah. You know, they're not always just good, but there's some shades of gray to them, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's very her. I think that's why I was so driven to her character because she's, you know, she's very unapologetic about what she wants. Like she wants love, mm-hmm. you know, and she wants power. And that's like something that, well, I guess, like as a woman, but for her to be. An heiress, mm-hmm. a woman heir to a very big gang in their world. That's like, you know, that's why she's, you know, constantly at fear of being usurped by her male cousin Tyler. Um, you know, and it's interesting to see her kind of go through, or just at least being confident in what she wants throughout the entire series. Like she wants, she knows that mm-hmm. she's capable to take control of her gang, the Scarlet Gang. Yet she still feels that she's deserving to be with Roma, and mm-hmm. she. A lot of her arc revolved around wanting to see Shanghai united mm. and you know have their gangs be okay because you know she thinks it's stupid mm-hmm. that there's like a blood feud that stemmed like a lot of generations ago and she just wants to be able to love Roma really okay so that I, I think that's 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 good so wow hmm two books 
um, each around 500 pages. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad that you're giving um, us a uh, <laughs> a brief a brief synopsis on this because I don't know whether I can handle a thousand pages, but that's fine. But um, it sounds like this version of the Romeo and Juliet retelling is more about women empowerment. Yeah, it's more about empowering Juliet, mm-hmm. right? Um, because from what you've told us, it seems that she is a very action-oriented kind of woman mm-hmm. and someone who knows what she wants, mm-hmm. someone who fights for what she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is also this um, nurturing side mm-hmm. to her. Um, it's not all just mas- masculine energy, but yep. you know, she, she also has this um, nurturing side and the side that wants love and to be loved and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think that's 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 a very interesting um, character mm-hmm. to fall for in a book. Now, what about the Romeo character? Is he so, like some sap that's <laughs> annoying, you know, weak, and then just waiting for Juliet to save him? Oh no, no, no he's okay. not. He's not. I mean, I would say that he's like the sensible one of the two, and okay. sometimes they give off like married couple energy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, but no, Roma has like his own ambitions as well. I mean, okay. he's like the typical young adult male love interest who does have like daddy issues mm-hmm. and whatnot. But he's mm-hmm. also kind of being pressured in that way. And I think um, that's where him and Juliet really, really bond is that their hopes and aspirations are the same because he also thinks that the blood feud is stupid. Okay. But aside from that, I think what makes him a compelling character is that his his love for his family, mm. especially his little sister, mm. Alyssa Montagov, who, you know, he's he tries everything to make sure that she's safe because I'm like I think he understands kind of the stakes and he's been basically like a victim of the blood feud, mm-hmm. you know, because he had to sacrifice his love for Juliet mm-hmm. in order to be the man that mm-hmm. his father wants mm-hmm. him to be. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, and he doesn't want his sister to fall prey to that. So, you know, a lot of like the two books revolve around him just trying to maintain his family and also his relations with his cousin Benedict and his best friend Marshall because there's a very spoilery plot point that happens at the end of the book Mm -hmm. but it kind of you know threatens well basically his side of the family is in disarray Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he like some backstabbing or something yeah like betrayal Mm -hmm. of course course. and that changes Roma a lot Mm -hmm. And he becomes way more. Um, he becomes way more. Um, I guess, yeah, more of the man that his father wanted him mm-hmm, to be. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like when we read Juliet's point of view, there's a lot of her like saying to herself like, "This is not the Roma I know," mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting is that we actually get a role reversal <laughs> in the second book mm-hmm. because in the first book, Roma betrayed Juliet. Mm-hmm. But in the second book, it's kind of switched that way. The point is that Roma is the one who's mad at Juliet instead of Juliet being the one mad at Roma. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and of course, it's not that black and white. That you know, they each have their reasons for getting the other to be mad at them. <laughs> um, but I think with Roma, what's really interesting to him, uh, for me, is that again his love for his family and also just like his love for Juliet. I think like that's one of the most compelling parts um, of the entire yeah the most compelling part of the entire novel would be like their romance mm-hmm. and how 
you know, how it blossoms. And it's just really sweet to kind of see um, someone, I guess, like him being okay with Juliet as she is. Because like I said, she's very headstrong. Yeah, yeah. She's very brazen. Yeah. And that, that's another thing because, as you know, um, especially in the Asian society, it's a very patriarchal society. Yeah. Right? And also in China, and this is China in the 1920s, right? So um, it's got a, there's there's a strong sense of patriarchy, obviously in the family, especially in Roma's yeah. um, family. So how does the author deal with that? Well, I think that um, well, yeah, patriarchy is a very very big. Well, it's a it's there. What I like about it is that it's not very like pushed, you know. So I think. Um, we as the audience or as the readers, we get to think about how patriarchy is implemented in Roma's lives. Mm -hmm. And not only Roma, but we see that with the other characters mm -hmm. too, how, you know, uh, patriarchy is kind of instilled in their way of thinking because there was a line, mm -hmm. um, uh, when we get a point of view from Tyler, Juliet's, you know, cousin, mm -hmm. who's Tybalt basically, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he kind of goes on a rant about how loving Roma makes Juliet weak mm -hmm. and then you know he goes like all misogynistic and stuff mm -hmm, like oh mm -hmm, no like mm -hmm. you, you can't trust the women to mm -hmm. get like the hard stuff done okay you know which is at that point was to kind of try and snipe out the Roma's gang mm -hmm. um, and I think we get to see how that um, well even though it's very forward I guess the misogyny mm -hmm. from Tyler mm -hmm. we get to see how that has like very bad effects on him mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we even see Juliet like um, you know not proving his claim that women can't get the job done because mm -hmm. like there are so many instances where Juliet was one who had to do the hard choice mm -hmm. you know in comparison mm -hmm. to like let's say Roma mm -hmm. or any of the other male characters it was her who had to put her head first mm -hmm. Um, which is like what makes her so interesting to me because it's always, well not always, but a lot of the time it's her sacrificing what she wants most, what mm -hmm. she loves most because I think actually patriarchy might be more stronger in Juliet than the other male characters. In, in her plan? No, in her In herself. her? Yeah. Oh, how, how? How so? Because she always feels like she has to prove something to her father mm. and to also uh, you know get on Tyler's level because mm. it's way easier for the gang members to trust Tyler because mm -hmm. of course he's a man mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and Juliet mm -hmm. is concerned well, not considerably he's like she's like kind of younger than him mm -hmm. so she has to do more to kind of be I don't know to kind of um, exude masculine energy yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. to kind of assert her dominance in so her the patriarchy affects her more than it does Roma for instance yeah yeah, and that's actually interesting with Roma because he, very like male dominated mm -hmm. family, you know, I think his mother, yeah, his mother died. So it's just like him and his father mm -hmm. and like a bunch of other male associates. But Roma is still very, I think he's also like very nurturing and we see a lot of humility from him, mm -hmm. which is what I like. I mean, there are times where he could be kind of unrelentless, the same mm -hmm. as Juliet. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when it comes to like the people that he loves, he kind of, he never really tackles it in a kind of hyper-masculine mm -hmm. way. He's very, like, again, sensible. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's what's interesting. Like, if I if I were to do a character study, there would be a lot of, like, I don't know, like, how Juliet is the one to more kind of... How, like, the patriarchy can get Juliet to do certain things mm -hmm. because she wants, like, the men's approval. Mm -hmm. And how Roma actually subverts a lot of, like, hyper-masculine... Mm -hmm. 
Um, so he balances her out in a way. Yeah, they do balance each other out. Okay, that's interesting. Now, um, last question on the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know me. Mm-hmm. Whenever I I get a new book, mm-hmm. I always read the last few pages. You are so bad. <laughs> I That's so bad. I always because I need to know whether or not it has the ending that I want it to have. So okay, bad. I know. Okay. <laughs> Now, everyone knows that the the original Romeo and Juliet has a terrible ending. That's for me, right? It has a really sad ending. It's terrible. I hate it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now. Not to spoil the book. What can you tell us a little bit about the ending? Um, not in a spoilery <laughs> kind of way. Okay. Is it possible? I think that the ending is very fitting um, for these characters. I think the problem with the original Romeo and Juliet ending is that it kind of sends like a unintended negative implication that you know, like you said, like we mm. have to die for love mm-hmm. um, and you know things like that. But I think with this one, it's very fitting to the arcs of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, a lot of people have mixed reactions mm-hmm. to it. But I personally feel like it um, it concludes Rome- Roma and Juliet's story well. Mm-hmm. It it's very them. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. It's okay. like it's very in character. Uh-huh. It's not like one of them decided to do something that's not like like a complete like out of character mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Is that it? It's actually really really. Endearing and somehow satisfying. Like mm. I actually couldn't think of a better ending. Okay. For this, okay. and um, it actually leaves a hopeful tone. Ah. Okay. So I would approve of that ending. <laughs> no. Okay. Don't say. Don't say. It. Okay. Don't say. It. I will not say anything. <laughs> okay. Now, these next questions are for you, and it okay. has nothing to do with the book. Okay. Oh, okay. Now, but it, it does in a way. Okay. If the book were to be adapted into a movie, oh, that's good. Yes. Now, who would play the main characters? Oh, uh, that is actually interesting. Okay, I've. The thing is, is that I've seen a lot of fan casts too for Roma and Juliet mm-hmm. and other people, and even the author has her own fan cast. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to find like an actual actor who looks the part mm-hmm. but can also play the part. Mm-hmm. For Julia, I would choose um, a Chinese actress. Her name is Nini, and she looks like how I envision Julia mm-hmm. to look like, down to the T. Like, what, what are what are her movies that you can recommend? Um, she worked in a movie with Christian Bale. Okay. Yeah, it's also a historical movie. So, what, what is it called? It's called The Flowers of War. Okay. And it was about the Sino-Japanese War. <laughs> um. So yeah, and she was there. Mm-hmm. My only issue is that she's like. 30 something mm. and Julia is like 20 20 something. Yeah, yeah so there there's that. But okay. I think in terms of looks like I think she would be a good Julia. Mm-hmm. Um for Roma, that is actually really difficult mm-hmm. and I cannot I don't know if I can give an answer because well firstly Roma's Russian. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know how many Russian actors I know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who can look the part and okay. can play the part. How about non-Russian? Does it have to be a, an actual Russian? Actor, or can it be some other actor that can play a Russian well? Yeah, well, I mean, as long as there's a Russian accent, I feel like I would be fine okay. with like whoever. Well, no, I like I, it needs to. There's like a specific look to Roma. Mm-hmm. I think I have like fan art that the author sent me or something. But yeah, like this is them, right? 
Like, this is Julia, oh, and that's Roma. Okay. Yeah, and, like, I don't know anyone who would, like, look remotely hmm. kind of like Roma. Okay, we can post that on my Instagram, and maybe people can... Maybe. Yeah? Yeah. Recommend who to play Roma. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. So, there's that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And who would direct the movie? Who would oh you want God, to direct the movie? that is interesting, actually. Um, Does it have to be an Asian director? No, I think for me what matters most is that the writer is Asian. Mm. Okay, the screenwriter. Yeah, the screenwriter because like it is again very Asian like yeah, like Asian Asia history mm-hmm. heavy. Mm-hmm. Um so it would be like preferable if I guess the author would adapt it kind mm-hmm. of like how Gillian Flynn did with mm-hmm. the Gone Girl movie. Mm-hmm. Um so it would still stay true to the book mm-hmm. because like I can't think of any single thing that I would want to change about it. Okay. Um but I don't mind if the director is like not Asian okay. personally. Mm-hmm. Um but that's just me. Mm-hmm. So who would I choose to direct it? I heard someone say that they would like Chloe Zhao to direct it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she always has like stunning visuals mm. and I would expect that 1920 Shanghai would also be like somewhat visual heavy. I would love Luca Guadagnino. That could work actually. Mm-hmm. That could work actually. I'm trying to think of who he's else. Very, he, he's very visual. He's very visual oriented. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. He is. Mm-hmm. I know. So probably, I think Chloe Zhao is like the first person mm-hmm. that comes to mind. Um, but I'm sure there are like other talented directors who could direct a great period piece oh the director of emma mm. um the one starring anya taylor joy her name is autumn Wild. Mm-hmm. i think she directed that movie and like it looked like it came out of a painting oh so okay. yeah and it was also like a romance movie because mm-hmm. it's based on jane austen mm-hmm. so she also has um experience mm-hmm. directing an adaptation adaptation yeah yeah so okay. i wouldn't mind if it would be her okay now last question okay name three songs that would be good for the soundtrack oh my god actually <laughs> i i have more than three songs okay just your top three do i like have to explain why these songs <laughs> just short explanation okay so <laughs> maybe i'll do this in chronological order i actually have a whole playlist just three okay okay yes just three okay the first song that is like um really the <laughs> I would have to go with the Taylor Swift song. First. Okay, no problem. Swifty, go ahead. Yes, okay, thank you. I have like a lot of Taylor Swift songs for them. Um, but I think the song that most encapsulates them is Treacherous by her. Mm-hmm. Um, because the main lyrics is, you know, this love is treacherous. Oh, this path is treacherous. This slope is dangerous. Hi, Mikhaila here. So I'm currently editing this episode and I just realized that I gave out the wrong lyrics to Treacherous by Taylor Swift. I want to apologize to all the Swifties listening to this. The lyric that I actually wanted to reference was this slope is treacherous, this path is reckless, this slope is treacherous, and I, I, I like it. So that is it. Um, I'm very sorry. It was an honest mistake. Carry on and that kind of references their love mm. in that way so you know whenever like i was kind of in my feels about them or Ooh. i was reading an angsty scene or mm-hmm. something i would kind of think of that, of that song yeah mm-hmm. because there's like that you know the angst to it but there's also like um there's like this line that's like um basically it's like i'll follow you follow you home mm. and i think that that basically is like the entire book okay. is a lot of angst and a lot of I'll, I'll go with you okay. at, until the end of the world, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the next song. Oh, these are all really, really good. I'm trying not to say a Taylor Swift song. Okay. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, because it's a lot of her. Oh, okay. Next song is from Florence and the Machine. Mm-hmm. It's called Make Up Your Mind. Mm-hmm. And the main chorus is make up your mind, let me live or let me love you. Mm-hmm. And like I said, again, I know it is. It's very mm-hmm. like the implications mm-hmm. of that are mm-hmm. very, um, very them, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of, um, again, also angst. But I think um, that one is way more darker mm-hmm. in a way, um, which is also somehow like the theme of this book because it does go into like dark themes. And whatnot. So yeah, I would I would choose that song. Okay. And yeah. last one, and the last song I would choose is again I'm refraining from choosing a Taylor Swift song. We'll do an entire episode on the you know all the other uh, Taylor Swift um, history song history if you want next time. Not here, please. So last song, not a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> okay, I think my last song would be "Poison" by Rita Ora, mm-hmm. just because the chorus is "I pick my poison and it's you." Mm. Ah, oh, that's a play on the yeah um, the yeah. poison that they use in the original. Yeah, yeah I know. Okay, so it okay. just kind of connects like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So I like it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good choices. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mickey, for coming in. And You're this welcome. is the first episode of Mickey's Corner. So we'll be doing that every fifth and tenth episode. So we'll be talking about whatever, whatever. Yep. Um, I mean, if you guys want to uh, uh, recommend any topic, um, books, movies, TV series, songs, whatever, or some social shit that's going on okay i think we need to bleep that that oh no no it's that's okay we'll like it explicit yeah okay yeah <laughs> anyway see you in um the next episode of my name is mia bye bye wow that was an amazing episode thanks so much for listening in now don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and go follow my instagram at mni mia underscore podcast also hit me up at mnimia underscore podcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts or comments about today's topic or even suggestions for future episodes see you next week later beautiful souls